and welcome back to Sex Capades. I am Rami Vamalopoli and this is the third episode in our series. You may be asking how many episodes could possibly be in a podcast about sex ed. Well, I am here to tell you that there is no limit. And what is that because of? Please say it from your respective geographic locations altogether, Dora style. Comprehensive sex ed. Thank you. I could hear all of you from all over. Before diving in, I just wanted to share a quick story that happened to me this week. I went to Walmart with my mom to pick up some stuff, as one does during quarantine, and we were walking in the personal care aisle towards cosmetics, kind of. And normally when you're walking there, you happen upon some condoms, pregnancy tests, tampons, and such. Well, when we were walking through these aisles, we couldn't find them anywhere. More like I couldn't find them. My mom was not actively looking for condoms and pregnancy tests, but we did finally find them. They were at the very back wall, hidden away, and locked up. Locked up. You heard me. Locked up. Locked up so no one could get to them without asking for an employee's help. I can't confirm if this is because people are stealing things or because they're like mature materials. I don't know. But either way, they're making it so people that might already be uncomfortable buying protection or pregnancy tests have another obstacle of asking for help on top of checking out. So they have to deal with two employees. That's two people between using birth control or not. And could be why a teenager maybe turns around and decides it's not worth encountering two adults and they might as well use the pull-up method because they've heard that works before, right? Wrong. Anyway, that was a tangent that I wanted to share because I think that perfectly sums up the U.S.'s attitude towards sex. We hide the fact that people are having sex, and then when we finally admit to it, we don't make protection available to use and then blame young girls for getting pregnant. In other countries, birth control like the pill and IUDs and such are all covered by insurance, are highly, highly subsidized, so you barely pay anything, and you can get condoms from school nurses even. I just can't even imagine my school nurse having condoms. All she gave me was two ibuprofen and a mint when I had the stomach flu, so thanks. In Thailand, though, to combat HIV, they tried to reduce stigma associated with condoms and were literally giving five-year-old condom water balloons to play with and throw at each other, while in the U.S., we don't even, like, tell kids how to use a condom or anything, and yet... In the U.S., condoms are pregnant, condoms and pregnancy tests and birth control even are very expensive, inaccessible, and maybe worst of all, not talked about. Anyway, back to the subject at hand. Today we are talking about something I know I never thought about when I thought of sex ed, and that is sex in the new age. So when I was interviewing everyone, I introduced them to the age-old argument in the U.S., that if we introduce sex ed to our kids at a young age, that is what is encouraging the behavior earlier. Whereas if we just didn't talk about it, then we don't put the ideas into their head. So I asked them what they thought of that me- like a mentality and how it compares to what they see in Sweden. Literally maybe 12 out of 10 times, they would assure me that no one in Sweden thinks that way because their parents, grandparents, and some great grandparents had sex ed. So no one is trying to deny sex ed to their kids. When I said this is an argument against comprehensive sex ed in the U.S., they were shocked. And they were shocked because it goes against everything they've observed about the U.S. To outsiders, our entire culture and society is sexualized. Our advertisements are all, for some reason, connected to a scantily clad woman. Like, if you think about those 
alcohol commercials. I know I've seen advertisements at the bus station of a woman wearing almost nothing and holding tequila of some sort. And we have restaurants like Hooters in Twin Peaks. We hire beautiful women to seduce us at casinos. And we have strip clubs around every corner. I mean, I literally went to a Chippendale show in Las Vegas. Not the chipmunks from Disney, but like the men Chippendales. So what other country does that kind of thing? For a culture that seems so private and judgmental about sex, we don't present ourselves that way at all to the global community. Something Tommy mentioned was how surprised he was driving down Sunset Boulevard seeing huge billboards of hypersexualized women in strip clubs and things like that. And then Lisa mentioned that it's not sex ed that's introducing kids to sex too early. It's movies and shows and music. And when she said that, it got me thinking about some of the shows I watch. Like, even shows like The Office or Friends that are not necessarily vulgar and are supposed to be kind of somewhat family-friendly, but there are constantly sexual innuendos in almost every episode. And when I thought harder, I couldn't really think of a channel other than maybe like HGTV and Food Network where sexuality isn't discussed in some way. And even then, I'm sure you could find some sort of episode of something where it is discussed. But like even Disney Channel and Nickelodeon talked about kissing new people and things like that. And Hannah Montana, can we just talk about this? We just like never came back to this from when we were young kids. But she was dating two people at once and nobody said anything. And now that I think of that, she really could have benefited from learning about healthy relationships and what it means to actually be in love. So, I mean, couldn't we all benefit from that? So, if we as the U.S. want to decide that we aren't going to talk about sex with our kids, fine, that's great. But we can't continue the way we are sexualizing everything and everyone starting at such a young age and not talk about it. That's such a double standard. The perfect example of this is like middle school dress codes. I mean... Girls were told what they could and couldn't wear because it was distracting to the boys. Like, I was told I can't wear a skirt that was something I would have worn in front of my grandma, but boys aren't told that they shouldn't stare at us. Like, why were boys not punished for not being able to control themselves? And maybe the bigger issue in all of that is that boys just, like, don't have any repercussions at all, whereas girls were constantly the ones told to change and cover themselves. And yet... We tell students what they can and can't wear, but we won't talk about sexuality and why maybe boys feel a certain way when they see girls dressed in certain things, which still very questionable. Sex is just all over our media and our society, and even more concerning in 2020 is sex is all over the internet. Something fascinating Linnea said to me when I was meeting with her is that Swedish kids aren't just Swedish kids anymore, and like US kids aren't just US kids. They're all global kids now because of the internet and they have access to any information, literally any information, both true and false, at their fingertips in the matter of seconds. And they have access to everything we're trying to hide from them already and things that we don't even know exist yet. And that is exactly why we have to talk about hard topics like pornography and masturbation and especially in this day and age like cyber sex and cyber dating. The hard truth is kids are going to go on the internet to learn about something they don't fully understand and that's what that's what they're encouraged to do that's what we've been told to do when i don't know something our professors constantly say like google it and let me know what you find and why would this be any different if they don't understand sex then obviously they're going to want to learn more about it so in doing that they may come across pornography and things that are much much 
much scarier than we can even imagine. And also just even explaining what porn is and how it can affect some mindsets because if we don't have those conversations, any young person that watches porn has this expectation that it's realistic where that is so far from the truth, it's just more damaging if they don't know that. And also just like giving kids a general awareness because I thought porn was illegal until I was 15. I didn't realize that people like use it consistently, I guess. So honestly, if anything, this podcast is teaching me as much about myself as it is teaching you, hopefully, about sex ed. And I'm pretty disturbed by some of the myths that I thought were fact. And I mean, in this day and age of cyber sex and cyber dating, like, obviously, this is a new topic. And this wasn't really around when I was in middle school. But it just seems natural to want to make sure that our kids are being safe when they go on a Tinder date and they know, like, what signs to look for and when to know if this is like a sketchy situation and when they should bolt or when they should pull the, oh my gosh, my friend just called me and I really, I'm so sorry, but I have to go card and like when it's okay and like what you should be asking and how to be safe if you are going to have sex with them or engage in any sort of activity with them. And those conversations are hard, but they're important. And because if we're not talking about it, it's just putting kids at risk and we make kids sit through hours of calc and we don't talk about masturbation or pornography or anything and leave them completely in the dark and let's be real how many times a day are we using calculus and how many times a day are we thinking about talking about or doing something related to sex and sexuality although it might be a little easier to talk about sex in sweden because of the culture around it that's built from having sex ed since the 1950s i was told by the interviewer interviewees i guess that it isn't by any means a walk in the park talking with your own child about pornography and masturbation and sex. Like, I don't really know if any parent is completely comfortable doing that, but they have to get the information from somewhere and shouldn't it be from us where we can give them give them the facts and control the environment in which they learn material like this. In Sweden, I also learned about a lot of amazing programs they were doing with sex ed to teach migrants and people that are blind and those that might have learning disabilities, the same material that students in traditional classroom settings get. So they're ensuring that there's equal education, which is super awesome. And I was shocked that immigrants and migrants were open to learning about sex in the open way it's taught in Sweden, because it is pretty different from what a lot of those people are probably used to coming from other countries. But when I was meeting with Kirsten in the RFSU, she said that they weren't just open to it, but they were curious and wanted to learn more because it's something they lacked in their own culture. And sometimes in their cultures, they were told that like being gay is a crime. And then they come to this really open place where they're told that it's something to embrace. And so parents also wanted to be educated on this so they could have conversations with their kids and be more knowledgeable, which is so amazing. But here we are with migrants for whom talking about sex may be considered haram, are open to discussions and want to learn about sex, but not kids in Alabama, of the most powerful country in the world about. So yeah, that checks out. And of course, in talking about sex in the new age, no episode can avoid the topic of sexual violence and assault, unfortunately, especially in the age of the Me Too movement. And I was so ignorant into how expansive the Me Too movement was. I... Of course, in my U.S. centralized thinking, which I should have known better to think only of the U.S., but I thought it was a mostly 
U.S. movement. But in almost every interview I had, Me Too was addressed. And they said that it had a huge impact on Sweden and that people are really aware of it now. And in every class across Sweden, consent has to be taught. That's not an option for it to be removed from the curriculum or anything. And when I was talking with Tommy, who was actually part of making this curriculum, he said that it's super important that this is addressed and like using things from the news and talking about that is important and tying it to the curriculum so that they know. So Me Too was a huge part of this. And this um, this goes all the way back to teaching kids who has the permission to give them a hug or a kiss with them or to kiss them like we talked about in the first episode. And in history, students learn about the laws and sexual violence. So now I just want to pause and give a massive shout out to Sweden because recently a law was changed about consent from saying the word no has to be said for a case to be considered rape, implying that the victim had to deny sex and it excluded those cases where victims may have been unconscious or intoxicated or in the wrong state of mind. But the law has now been changed that if the word yes was not said, the case is considered rape. So unless there was a clear yes, consensual yes, between both partners, then it is considered sexual violence, assault, or rape. And that is a huge move in the right direction. And I can't even emphasize like how happy I was when they were explaining this new law to me. And I just really hope that other countries move in that same direction but the issue with all of this is just goes back to communication because there's so much he said she said in cases like that and communication is something that's talked about in comprehensive sex ed along with likes and dislikes as i talked about in the episode on pleasure and identity this includes the good feeling and basically doing what feels good and what feels right But Martin talked about how you can't lie or how you can lie with your words, but you can't lie with your body. And students are taught different signs they should look for and how they should get consent from their partner to make sure they're being respectful of each other's boundaries and like how to just be mutually respective of each other. And literally imagine what education like that in the U.S. could do for rape cases. There would be no more BS of like they said they wanted it and they liked it because you can't lie with your body and students are taught to really lean into that and read body language between people. A really cool activity I wanted to mention here was explained to me by Lisa and it's the idea of a world map. So if you could all just picture your favorite vacations, mine would be traveling somewhere beautiful with culture and sightseeing and maybe some warm weather or beaches or something like that to enjoy. But maybe my partner's is a ski trip somewhere really cold and active and something like that. So between the two of us, we have to decide if we both want to compromise on a completely different place, like going to, I don't know, what's a good example? Going on a safari in Africa, or if we both are comfortable traveling to our own places, so going somewhere warm for me and going somewhere cold for my partner. So if you didn't get it yet, this is obviously an analogy about different sex activities that people are comfortable with, but I thought that was an amazing way to present the idea of communicating to do what is most comfortable for both people because, like, the idea of where you like to travel is so familiar to many of us that it's a great way to explain how 
you might communicate about where you're comfortable with or why it's important to talk about those things. And another thing is that right off the bat, when I went to interview Martin, we were in his dorm room, just the two of us, and like my dad had come with me and Martin was like, oh yeah, like if you want to come and have some tea in my room, and my dad was like, no, that's okay, you guys go. And I was like, dad, if there's any point that maybe I would want you in an interview, it might be when I'm going back to a stranger's room who also happens to be a male. And of course my dad said no. So I was like, okay. And then literally as soon as we started talking about this subject and we got to his dorm, he like totally unprompted just said that there isn't really a rape culture in dorms in Sweden like there is in the US. He was like, that's not something we really worry about as much here. He did admit that like there could be cases of it and he's not just turning a blind eye to it, but it's nowhere near like the horrific fact that in the US, almost all of us have probably heard some story or another about sexual violence happening in a dorm setting. And it's awful and it's common in the US. And for him to even know that rape culture in the US is so bad was just baffling to me. And I really applaud certain schools for implementing programs like similar to Alcohol EDU about consent and things like that. Because, I mean, that's just another step in the right direction. But there's a lot more that can be done for sure. And that's the point of comprehensive sex ed is to avoid the question of did I take it too far or trying to fight that he said, she said trial because no one wins in that situation. If students are taught the right things to ask or the right things to look for and with a law mandating the word yes has to be said, there's next to no room for any sympathy for accused rapists and assaulters. But the point of sex ed is not to only scare students into thinking about sexual violence and assaults. I mean, it's so easy to kind of just focus on this topic and focus on the fact that sex is bad because it could lead to genital herpes and sexual violence and assault. And that's such an easy route to go down, but it's not necessarily the right route. It's not the most beneficial because at the end of the day, we're still like students are still having sex. We're still seeing that kids are having sex younger So it's not deterring them from having sex. It's just kind of creating these these sort of like bad ideas in their head. And when I met with Hans and Kirsten, they said they don't want too much of comprehensive sex ed to be focused on violence. Of course, it has to be discussed. There's no way around it. But they don't want to reinforce that everything about sex is bad and scary because that isn't what it is and that's when it's not consensual but there has to be a balance between talking about having fun with sex and learning about your sexuality and where to draw the border and the boundary so that's a really hard subject to talk about so on another note I wanted to tell this bad b story that I don't really know if it correlates here but I don't really care so The RFSU publishes a ton of materials for professors and teachers to use while they're teaching or whatever. And in the traditional context, the female genitalia are shown as if a woman or a female, I'm sorry, a female is laying down and someone is drawing what they see like in as she as the female would be in a sort of submissive position. And this is also something really cool that they said, side note, they say, uh, chick or people with pussies and people with dicks 
as terminology to kind of like talk about who has what genitalia because then they're inclusive about everything. I wanted to say chicks with dicks, but that's not what they were saying. It was definitely like people with dicks, people with pussies. Anyway, so in this context, they were show like in the traditional context, if you think about like how you've diagrammed a vagina before, you see it from like a woman, female laying down sort of aspect and then someone drawing it. And that's a super submissive pose. And of course, like the male genitalia is usually shown with the male standing and like, so you can see his penis and his testicles and everything. But the RFSU did this amazing thing where they included diagrams of both the female and the male genitalia from the same angles. So both submissive and dominant positions to promote gender equality because they didn't want people to associate like the female genitalia with submission because that's not right. Have you ever heard that thing that's like, kick me in the balls, but kick me in the vagina because the the vagina is way stronger or whatever. I think Betty White said it. I would have to check that. I should not put words into Betty White's mouth, but that lady is a God gift to the world. But anyway, so I thought that story was really cool. And it's just another reason Sweden is the UN's number one best country for gender equality. But circling back to the topic of sex in the media, today I have Anna Spear joining me, who is a film and TV major at Boston University. She also happens to be a part of the Killjohn Honors College. And for her keystone, she wrote an amazing script for a romantic comedy and has some insight into the world of sex in the media because of her role as both a scriptwriter, her time working in Los Angeles, and also as a film and TV major. She's also from Texas and just has some good stories of her own to share. So I'm excited for her to give me some of her insight. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, okay. So this episode is again about like sex in the new age, so that includes film and TV and stuff like that. So that's what I was going to ask you about. So I was wondering, as a film and TV major, since that's kind of like your forte, do you feel like there is a lot of sex talked about in your TV classes at all, just because it is pretty prevalent in TV and film? Um, So I'm in a class right now called Uncensored TV that kind of talks about, like, the current state of cable and, like, what's high quality and what is it, kind of, like, comparing it to older stuff that, like, used to be on TV. And it's definitely more prevalent now than, like, it used to be way back when. Um, Like, we had, like, a whole unit on sex, actually. Oh, so so interesting. So we'd watch stuff from, like, the 70s and 80s and then, like, stuff from now. But um, we... Like, we started at that class, first of all, by just, like, watching an episode of Euphoria, which has, like, 17 dicks in it. It's, like, not... All of us were, like, pretty fine discussing it and, like, watching it all together. So it's, like, always, like, slightly awkward, but it's not... It wasn't, like, a difficult thing to talk about, necessarily. Yeah, so what... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. ahead. No, you're good. Um, So what, like, what did you notice as the differences between, like, the media in the 70s and 80s versus now? Oh my God. We watched this one show called Love American Style, which is from the 70s, I think. And oh it had, my like, gosh. Yeah, it has like three like little stories that all were like tied together by a common theme. So we watched one that was like about sex, but like no one ever 
talked about it directly. They, like, use, like, these weird, like, like, words to, like, get around it, but still, like, you know that they were talking about it. Like, one of the little vignettes had, like, this woman who was talking to her ex-husband and, like, the husband's new wife, like, wouldn't let her talk to him, like, in the bedroom just because, like, it was such, like, a loaded place to be talking, I guess. So that's, like, kind of how they talked about it. They kept, like, have, they had, like, this running joke about being in the bedroom. And then the second one, the second little story in there, it was this daughter, her and her boyfriend were supposed to go on a trip to Europe and the parents were freaking out about it because they're like, oh, our daughter's obviously going to, like, start having sex when they're in Europe. So they invite the boyfriend over when she's not home and they're like, hey, so our neighbors all started doing this and we think it's a really, really good idea. So we want you to, like, take this, this little pill. It's just like a vitamin, really. And every morning we want you to crush it up and put it in her orange juice. So they were trying to get him, the boyfriend to, like, put the pill in her drink every single morning. Oh, like, my gosh! She was, like, on birth control. And they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. But then in the end, like, the boyfriend was like, no, we're waiting till we're married. You guys, we're responsible. Like, you don't have to tell us this. But they've never, like, they never even, like, explicitly, like, said the word sex, I don't even think. Like, they just, like, went to great lengths to talk about it without talking about it. Oh, my gosh. Also, isn't that, like, it was kind crazy. of... Like, I don't even know if that would work. I was like, that's so messed up. Yeah, isn't that kind of, like, illegal to just slip someone something that... <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're like, just tell her it's a vitamin. It's good. Oh, my gosh. So how does that compare to, like, media now? Because I think about The Office or, like, Parks and Rec. Those are both such innocent shows, but they still make mm-hmm. jokes about sex. Like, I don't think it's, like, I feel like all shows, like, talk about it now. Like, now it's, like, a thing if you, like, want your cable channel to be, like, of high quality and, like, mature. It's like sex is just like expected so yeah like they like expect their audience to be like mature enough to handle it so it's like a sign of being like a high quality program i think just like in terms of like actual like nudity and things like that yeah so, yeah again i'm like no expert but right that's kind of like what i picked up from all of this and then like hbo shows are super super out like super like I ju- i'm just thinking of sex in the city and even like game of thrones mm-hmm. and they're so successful is there like how do you do you think they're successful because they're not afraid to kind of, like, openly, dis- like, in Sex in the City, it's literally just all out there on the table? Like, do you think they're successful because of that or just because, I don't know, or do you think just the content of them? I feel like the content in general is just, like, good because it's HBO, but, yeah, just, like, in terms of, like, getting, like, audience numbers and people to, like, be attracted to HBO, like, as a channel and think it's like better just like knowing that there's going to be like gritty material kind of like just draws an audience in I think yeah and so do you think like when a show is expected to kind of like be for a mature audience and it's expected for sex to be in it like when you're thinking about family friendly sort of shows that still talk about sex like do in your tv classes do they ever talk about like um like, including, like, in comedy, I guess. I just feel like all comedy now, there has to be at least something kind of slipped in about sex. Do they ever say something like that? Because I know you have, like, you have a lot of experience with comedy, so. Just, like, talking about sex in general? Yeah, like, I don't know, because I just feel like all comedy has some sort of sex aspect to it now. 
So is there ever, like, are there any comedies that would be considered quality that don't necessarily talk about sex, but they're still, you know? Huh. I honestly don't really, like, I know that there's, like, some shows that are, like, considered, like, better sitcoms if they're, like, the nicer, like, two-camera ones as opposed to, like, the kind where you, like, hear the laugh track in the background. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I never really, like, considered sex as something that made a comedy better. Like, that's, I feel like that's always going to be, like, a story element, but. Right. Yeah. Do you think that it's included in so much TV and media in general just because it is, like, such a like part of life it's so like everybody experiences it kind of thing is that why they encourage it to be included yeah probably I mean it's something that can be like easily relatable and also like sex is just such an easy thing to joke about kind Mm -hmm. of yeah it's just it's just kind of an easy jumping off point I think right interesting so I know for your script for your romantic comedy that you were writing it and everything so didn't did you have a sex scene in it god um (laughs) yeah but um it's like not good I think I might actually cut it because I was like this is like such I felt so weird writing it I don't want to sit here (laughs) oh no because didn't you go to a professor and they were like it's not sexy enough Oh, God, no, that never happened. I don't know. Like, that was just, like, like, I was scared it, like, wouldn't read as, like, realistic, so I was, like, nervous about it, but he didn't, I don't know if he just, like, didn't want to give me notes about it because it was, like, awkward or it was just, like, fine. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, at least I made that part up. But I feel like, because I just don't know how somebody writes that kind of stuff. Like, how do you do that? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, like, really done it. So, I... And, like, I'm thinking of, like, Love Actually when it's the porn stars and they're just, like, trying to film their show. But, like, who wrote that? Like, how do you write that to translate? That they're not porn stars, though. They're, like, body doubles. Oh! Yeah, they're, like, standing in for the, like, they're, like, testing the lighting on them and stuff for, like, when the actual people come in. Oh, my gosh. I literally thought they were in a porn movie. I did at first, too, but then I, like, paid attention. I was, like, wait a second. <laughs> that's so funny oh my gosh okay and then just growing up in texas i have to ask about your good stories that you have yeah it's like anna's greatest hits i tell the story all the time yeah yeah so um yeah i'm from texas which is like a bit of a fixer-upper as a state (laughs) in general (laughs) i didn't have like any sex ed at all and, like, they, like, we had, like, a health class where they just, like, told us that we needed to, like, wear a deodorant and stuff, but they never, like, got <laughs> Yeah, so, um, when I was, like, in the sixth grade, um, in middle school, like, that same year, there was, like, a 15-year-old girl who went to the high school, and her boyfriend murdered her. It was really bad. Um, oh? Her, like, 48 times. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, read up on it recently, because I was, like, is this happened? Was it real? But, yeah. So... Like, at the time, the boyfriend was, like, still a suspect, and, like, everybody in the town was, like, talking about it, and I guess, like, before she died, on her social media, she posted something about how, like, how she thought she might be pregnant, so then, all of a sudden, like, everyone was focused on that, and they're, like, oh, that, like, must have been his motive, so then our teachers, like, started 
spinning it, they would be like, oh, like that girl who was just killed, they're saying that she was pregnant. So just like think about that before you think about unzipping those jeans. Oh and, my like, gosh. Yeah. So like everyone was like spinning it as if her being murdered was like a consequence of being sexually active. And oh, like, it got to the point where like even my parents started like spouting that same rhetoric. Like, wow. Like, if anyone like, had like questions that were like under the sex umbrella, like who are you supposed to go to and everyone like talks about it like that. Yeah. But I guess, like, in terms of, like, it, it being, like, a consequence of her actions, it's kind of, like, an abstinence-only person's, like, wet dream, because it's just, like, it's entirely her fault. Like, first she got pregnant, and that's bad enough, but then she was, like, killed because of it, too. Yeah. It's not great. So what, like, did you ever find a person while you were in middle school and high school that you felt like you could go to to ask questions? Because, like, if everyone around you is kind of talking the same way and, like, has the same mentality then like who do you go to I didn't really go to anyone honestly like no one really talked about it for starters in general so like like even like my friend group didn't even like talk about it until like we were like seniors in high school or like older mm-hmm. I guess so my sister had my parents gave my sister a copy of like you know that book like our bodies ourselves yeah like the puberty bible they gave one to my sister but i didn't get one and she just like kept it under her bed if i ever had like a question i'd like go and she like wasn't home but i never had like like i guess like in theory i could have asked my parents but i didn't want to do that so yeah yeah but that's just like so hard if you like don't really have anywhere to turn to to get quality information because like you could go online but you don't even know what you'll come across if you do that yeah also like I don't think I'd, like, look that up at home in my school spiral wall with, like, intense, like, challenges to get what's worked. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's probably all, that's probably smart. Oh, my gosh. That was, like, my version of, like, a, like, you know how they, like, showed you guys, like, the scary pictures of, like, STI genitals? Yes. Like, the publicized murder case was, like, my version of that. That's, like, what my school gave me. Oh, my so. gosh. That's horrible. Yeah. Not great. And then, like, luckily in college, I, like, roomed with, like, a bunch of (laughs) fanatics like you and our other friend Caroline who just, like, talks about that stuff constantly, so (laughs) I was educated. So now you have no option but to be exposed. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, thank you so, so much for doing this. Okay. You are absolutely the best. I can't imagine my podcast without hearing your Texas stories. Like, always love pointing out Texas' issues. It's one of my hobbies. Okay, thank you. No problem. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Anna for joining me. I love hearing anything she has to say, but especially about growing up in Texas. And thank you to you all for joining. I hope you learned something new and have a little bit of a new perspective on sex in the new age. See you next time.